Digital acceleration is here. Health systems are walking the path, but are they in the right direction? Welcome to Patient Journey Pioneers, roadmaps from the top digital leaders in healthcare who share insights and strategies that are pushing the patient journey to new heights. This podcast is brought to you by Hiro, and I'm your host, Liat Kozuc. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Patient Journey Pioneers. Today, we'll be pioneered by Patrick McGill, Executive VP, Chief Transformation Officer at Community Health Network. Dr. McGill was named to Becker's list of top 30 most inspiring Chief Transformation Officers in 2022, which makes me very honored to host you during the episode today. So, Patrick, it's great to have you. Thanks for having me. So, before we dive into our questions, share with us a brief timeline of your journey in healthcare and what your role entails today at Community Health Network. That's a great question. Happy to share the journey. So, you know, it's interesting. I I always say that I'm kind of an accidental uh, administrator or or leader. I did not go into my healthcare journey thinking I would be in the position that I'm in. Uh, I'm a family physician by background, so I I do still practice, which I think is very important uh, for for physicians that are leaders to still, you know, still be on the front lines and and still practice, still have that real world experience. But my journey started when I came to Community Health Network 13 years ago. I was just a practicing physician. Uh, we installed Epic in 2012, and I got involved in optimization. Uh, I wanted to make the system, make sure the system was better, um, you know, that we didn't drop off any any functionality or features. And, you know, that led to becoming the medical director of physician uh, informatics and became a physician builder with Epic. That that eventually led to uh, getting involved in, in a lot of our clinical variation activities. Uh, I at one point over oversaw or led our chronic lines for growth, value-based care and, and uh, clinical variation. In 2018, I became the chief analytics officer at community. We created a new role for analytics and separated analytics into its own center of excellence. And I was asked to take on that role. Uh, and then in 2019, we moved IT underneath that chief analytics officer role. So in my current function as the chief transformation officer, I have a kind of a broad range of responsibilities from uh, IT and analytics, uh, clinical and nursing informatics, um, population health, also have responsibility for cybersecurity, business continuity, uh, and then I have some other operational strategic partnership responsibilities as well. So we feel that that's a a structure that works at community. I know that I've talked to many others and, and sometimes people question, and I always tell them, I think each organization is unique. They have to find the structure that works right for them. And it's not a one size fits all. And, and, you know, what may work at community may not work at other organizations. And I think that's really the approach uh, that we've taken over the last few years. Yeah, you beat me to it. I was going to ask, how is that going for you, the organizational structure? It sounds pretty weak. Are there any challenges that come up? And if so, how are you tackling? Yeah, you know, I think I think with every organization, there's challenges. I mean, there's obviously we're facing a lot of challenges today, which I know we'll get into uh, in a few minutes. But yeah, I think that it's it's the same with any organization. It's the same challenges that you have. At the heart of it, it's still people, right? It's still people. It's still change. It's still new. It's you know some of the old. And I think that 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 just creates and presents its own set of uh, responsibilities and, and challenges uh, at the end of the day. As a family physician, it's all about change as well. It's changing people's behaviors. It's changing you know courses of disease. It's, it's changing those things. So I feel like whether I'm practicing or or you know, leading it's, it's at the end of the day, it is about change. And I do think that that 
primary care background uh, has in a lot of ways helped in as I've moved into a more administrative role. I've heard many of your interviews that you kind of have this like full list of, of so many, so many things going on. But what is one project that you're working on today that you're most excited about? Yeah, probably the biggest one that we're working on right now is we, um, you know, we're, we're in the process of implementing a CRM and um, we partnered with Microsoft to do this. And, and so that project has kicked off and we really feel that, that that's going to be a game changer for us. We have not had an enterprise uh, CRM to date. And so as we're really, you know, trying to understand the patient, the longitudinal patient journey, we feel that having that level of information and, and connection and personalization is really important. Uh, along the way. So that's probably the, the biggest project, you know, that we're looking forward to um, in in that space. What is something that you kind of look back on saying, I wish I had done this maybe better or differently? And also what kind of motiv- motivated you to initiate this project? Yeah, no, it, 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 it started out, we have a digital steering committee and that really started out of, of understanding, you know, uh, really wanting to be able to create that longitudinal frictionless journey. And so the project started, you know, the contracts were signed in September, but as you know, um, you know, there's a lot of preparation and planning. And I think that it, you know, if I had to do one thing over again, um, you know, looking back, it's, and it's a delicate balance. It's, did we do enough stakeholder input, stakeholder analysis, getting people to the table as we were, as we were making this decision? You know, I think you, at one point or at some point you can get into analysis paralysis and, and then that just bogs everything down. So at the end of the day, you have to move forward, uh, in some direction. And so, yeah, I think that we've learned that along the way. We've really tried to be diligent about bringing people along um, as the project has, the implementation phase and the building phase has has started. Uh, I think the other thing is probably helping um, people understand the why. And it, and that really comes back to our, more of our technical folks understanding the why, our, our IT, our analytics, our, our uh, business relationship team, really helping them understand the why. And why it's so important, and it's not just another technology that we're trying to, you know, layer on top of everything else. When you embark on these projects, can you, as Chief Transformation Officer, measure the success in tangible ways? How do you set the standard? Where are your benchmarks coming from? Yeah, that's a great question, but it's also a difficult question to answer. So, of course, we set, you know, the 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 measures of success. We always try to go into all of our projects with what are we trying to change? What problem were we trying to solve? And then identify measures of success. So certainly there's the the one that everybody's interested in, the financial measures of success. Is it driving growth? Is it driving efficiency? Is it taking work off people's plate? That's a little bit harder to measure uh, or harder to quantify. Uh, one of the things that we're very proud of that we've done over the last few years as we've been looking at clinical variation and reducing unnecessary waste and other things is We've embedded finance directors on our improvement teams. And so we have somebody that has that financial you know, mindset really looking at, are these projects improving uh, you know, the care that we're delivering? So I think that we really try to be mindful of, again, what problem are we trying to solve? How are we going to measure the success and carry that through the project from the very beginning? I think oftentimes organizations will get, you know, the, they know they need to do it. They'll, they'll implement a project or a technology and then they'll think, oh man, how are we going to measure the success? And so you have to really look across the board. Is it driving patient experience? Is it making it easier for people to interact with your system? And I think every, all of those are quantifiable, um, 
everybody wants to focus on just the financial and I think you should, but, uh, there's a lot of other measures that you should look at, uh, across the board. Right. And you have that ultimate goal of making the patient experience almost seamless or as frictionless right. as possible. So right. what are you learning and hearing from clinicians and patients around here? What do you hope to learn from them uh, in a few months from now? And how will you try to learn from them? Will it be through PSAT scores? Will it be surveys? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that we have really tried to do at community is, is, is we have a very robust medical director structure with our physicians and advanced practice providers and really drive communication in a closed loop manner. So hear the feedback on technologies. <laughs> we have a very robust informatics team. We have a team of what we call site support analysts. So they go to the elbow, they're, they're teaching, they're training, they're updating, they're, they're educating on new features, new functionality, new technologies. So that's a very valuable source of feedback uh, from the trenches, from people that are living it every day and, and interacting and dealing with. Uh, certainly we'll measure um, things through our uh, patient satisfaction surveys. And uh, I can give you an example of that in a second, but I think one of the things that we really are interested in is there's so much going on in healthcare right now, coming out of the pandemic, this, this, you know, new with the triple demic that everybody's talking about with, with flu, COVID and RSV, there's still a significant amount of stress. So how do we implement things that are not contributing to that stress? We really want to be taking things off, off their plate, but by default, when you introduce a new technology, a new workflow, a new feature, a new, new, whatever it might be, by definition, that's something new that's getting added. So, so people feel that. And so you have to be diligent about what are you taking off their plate and how are you educating them that this is not necessarily one more thing. It's not one more thing to learn. It's not one more thing to do, but it's all part of the, the longitudinal continuum that, you know, we can take things off their plate. So one of the things to give you an example, yeah. one of the things that we um, have had some feedback recently is on our uh, e-check-in process. So we've had some anecdotal feedback that it's cumbersome and it's duplicative and, and everything else. So we said, hey, let's get some data, let's measure it. So when patients uh, schedule an appointment at a community, they now receive a, a text survey of, did the appointment meet your expectations? So there's a lot of ways, it goes back to your question of how do you measure? There's a lot of ways to measure access and, and capacity. There's third next available, there's schedule capacity, there's all kinds of ways to slice and people look at this for years. But we really wanted the voice of the patient. Did the appointment that you received meet your needs, right? At the end of the day, that's, that's what we're striving for. And then we can educate them to the next best step about, okay, when you're, when you're ready, for, when you're having your appointment, you can check in online. So then we know that if they checked in online, so when after their visit or after their encounter, we can survey them with a couple questions about how was the e-check-in process? Was it frictionless? Was it easy? Was it understandable? So it's really creating that closed loop thing. It's not, it's one thing to just put things out there and hope they survive or hope they're successful, but can you objectively measure? I think that goes back to your question of how do you measure the success? Everybody's dealing with labor shortages. Everybody's dealing with access challenges. Everyone's dealing with the financial pressures on healthcare organizations right now. And so I think at the end of the day, it's, it's how do you, how do you run a health system with those challenges and all of the external pressures that are facing the economy, you know, world instability, you know, you know, the uh, situation in Ukraine, all those types of supply chain, all of those types of things do impact healthcare. And I think it, I think people 
sometimes forget that. They think it's just about hospitals and procedures and surgeries and, you know, uh, inpatient admissions and going to the, your, going to your doctor. And it's really more complicated than that, as, as most industries are, um, but healthcare is not immune from that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I hear the same from all of our guests. <laughs> what do you think healthcare needs the most in the coming five to 10 years? I think healthcare could really benefit from a couple of things. One is more transparency across the board. So we talk about price, tra- that's not what I'm talking about, price transparency or other things. It's really transparency about how healthcare operates from the payer, the provider, the patient, the employer, the government. You know, I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding at the end of the day of how things run and operate. So I think we need more transparency and educational. I think the other thing that we need is more partnership. So everybody's beating each other up when it comes to the challenges that we're having, um, whether it's 340B or the, you know, some government programs or the payers or the providers. And I think that we need more partnership. That sounds Pollyannish, and I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm obviously a, a realistic when it comes to those conversations and the, the stakeholders involved, but I think we need some real transparent partnership type of conversations. We're trying to have those with, with several of the payers in our market. And I, I'm happy to say, I, I feel like that they're, they're progressing in the right direction. They're very positive. At the end of the day, we're still, we're ultimately trying to take care of people. And, um, you know, how do we do that? How do we do that in a productive way, uh, to achieve the outcomes that everybody wants? What emerging technologies are on your wish list, if at all? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of activity in the, uh, I'm going to give you a couple of narrow answers. We could probably talk for hours about this specific question, but yeah, I think that there's still um, some disconnects outside of the health system. Meaning when a patient leaves the hospital and they go to a nursing home or they go to acute rehab or they go to home care, you know, those are on different systems. There's, you know, those EMRs don't connect and, and whether you think the solution is interoperability or, or health information exchanges, we can debate what the solution is, but there needs to be better connection, um, outside of the four walls of the health system. So I would love to see more innovation, more technology, more partnership in that space. I think that's a huge disconnect, the huge disconnect for patients, very confusing. I think it leads to a lot of errors, unnecessary care readmissions increased cost of care. So I think that that's an area where technology and partnership can absolutely bend the curve. I would love to see more, uh, artificial intelligence, whether it's artificial or augmented, we tend to use the word augmented intelligence, um, when it comes to clinical delivery, but love to see more AI within the EMR itself. So oftentimes we're talking about layering on, you know, AI in other areas like RevCycle or, or. Uh, patient engagement, but within the EMRs, there needs to be more automation and technology. But I think it goes back to our earlier question, how do you take work off people's plate? If it's, you know, years ago, we talked about counting clicks and this and that. I think there's a huge opportunity to automate many of those tasks within the EMR. What kind of automation would you like to see there? There could be automation of refills, right? So if a patient meets the criteria and, and, you know, predefined clinical criteria needs a refill. Why does somebody need to touch that? Whether it's, uh, you know, health maintenance things. If somebody, if a woman needs a, is ready for a mammogram, why do you need somebody to touch? Oftentimes there's two or three people that are touching having a mammogram ordered. Um, 
and and that that's just in some of those back back office clinical things. Uh, there's there's opportunities to automate uh, uh, prior authorizations and other other things. And I know that there's activity in all these spaces, so that's not what I'm saying. I just think it tends to be very siloed, and oftentimes it tends to live outside of the EMR. At the end of the day, the EMR still is the the backbone now of the care delivery model. And so how do we do more within the EMR, <clears throat> uh, layering it in uh, to take some of that work off? And again, guiding clinicians, whether that's physicians, APPs, nurses, medical assistants, guiding them to the next best step. It's still, at the end, of, it, it's still very manual in a lot of situations. So Patrick, I know you have many success stories to share, but if you could choose one success story that really stuck with you in your career uh, that others can also learn from, what would it be? Yeah, that's a great question. It's also a hard question. Um, yeah, I think, I think I, and I mentioned it earlier, I think when we separated analytics out of IT and created the, the, the separate office of analytics, that was no easy task. And that started with, you know, basically it was a department of one, which was me at the time. So I had to build a team. Obviously we had analytics resources within the organization, but building that team, that was not a popular decision. I was not a popular person at the time, um, but I had been charged from our executive committee, our board, our CEO to make the organization more data driven. We, we, you often hear this. We have more data than we know what to do with. We, you know, we have a lot of work. We're swimming in data, but not in information. And we were in that same boat. And so what it took was it, it took, I had to reach outside the organization for, for input and guidance and advice. Um, and we worked together to build a strategy and then it was executing on that strategy. And I think, you know, oftentimes people will hit roadblocks, they'll hit bumps, they'll hit resistance and they might give up, um, or they might change direction. And I think, um, you know, that's a, that's a personal example for me where I was giving a, a giving a, a, a duty or a charge to stand this up. And I think we've been very successful. I think we have the, the results to show that we've been successful and, and, um, you know, we're part, we, we get up every day to try and make the, the organization more data driven, uh, data informed. And, uh, I, I think that, at, but the message to others would be. Don't let some of those roadblocks or, or barriers derail what you know is right. You know, and I think you have to, you have to be persistent. I think a lot of times people, you have to understand that transformation is change. So if you're not, if you're not changing things, are you truly transforming? And sometimes we get resistance and, and people are frustrated and they think, well, this is the way we've done things all along. So you have to realize, and we talked about this earlier. This is, we're still dealing with people. And so if transformation is change and at the end of at, at oftentimes change is a loss for somebody, it's either a loss of control, autonomy, loss of way they used to do things, loss of, of, of things. Status quo. Status quo. That, that you have to recognize that. And so, you know, sometimes I, you know, I, some days are harder than others. And at the end of the day, you think, what did I really accomplish today? And, um, you know, I, I think that, again, I always tell myself, if you're not, if, if things aren't being disrupted, are you truly transforming uh, the organization? And it goes back to what you said. You're right. Transformation is about one step at a time. And, um, 
making things better. You enter a room filled with 100 new chief digital innovation transformation CIOs that are about to enter healthcare today. What are words of advice you'd like to leave them with? Um, I would start by saying, don't underestimate <clears throat> how complex healthcare is and don't underestimate the longevity of some of the thoughts and ideas and the way that we do things in healthcare. Now that's not necessarily mean make it right, but there's a lot of legacy things that go on in healthcare that, that are more difficult to, to change, transform, disrupt than maybe in other industries. The other thing is I would advise them to, um, be prepared to meet friction, significant friction. So you have to be persistent. And then the last, the last piece of advice, which I often give a lot of people is never lose that curiosity, never lose the questioning. Why do we do things? Is there a better way to do things? It's kind of always be curious, right? And I think oftentimes you see people that lose that curiosity and they fall back into just the way things have always been. So that, that curiosity can, can drive a lot of transformation. And so that's the piece of advice that I would give a lot of people as they enter uh, healthcare, especially as you're trying to digitally transform or, or just change an organization overall. I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Great conversation. Thank you for listening to Patient Journey Pioneers brought to you by Hiro. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platform. See you on our next episode.